one thing I uh, didn't do was figure out what my third favorite episode of last season was. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm guessing you forgot as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is we haven't recorded a regular episode in a month now. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. <laughs> I I was uh, happy to see, though, because I went into this morning thinking, I'm like, oh, man, I don't remember what happened in any other episode this season. Thankfully... We recorded the first, or we were watching the first episode of season five today. <laughs> we couldn't have timed it better. I mean, the holidays just came. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we could have timed our recordings better. I mean, probably could have timed our releases better because we took a break right before the free feed got like the last two episodes of the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, I think, you know, everyone takes breaks over the holidays. Um, yeah, even even yeah. people, you know, people take like weeks off and they're just not in their car. They're not in their usual podcast listening that's routine fun. either. Yeah, so, that's I mean, true. That's, that's very true. I, I mean, look, I've, if Comedy Bang Bang can do two full weeks of best of the year and like I've, I even subscribe to a couple of shows that are still doing like not much this week. You know, yeah, the first yeah. week of the year. Yeah, I, and I don't, you know, I've it's always been a big fan of... Patreon episodes, yeah. Of, um, I've been a big fan of, yeah, taking breaks. I know consistency is important, but I also think like a week or two off isn't yeah. going to completely as kill the downloads. Yeah, as long as you're like, I don't know, uh, consistent with when you take the breaks and you're very transparent of like, hey, yeah, we're going to be back on this date. Mm-hmm. I think that's very fine. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if we mentioned when we'd be back, but I, I also like, I, like I've talked about this before, we're, we're two different sides of the, of the podcast listener coin where like, you know, when your favorite shows post, I could not tell you shows that I've been listening <laughs> to for over a decade when they come out. No idea. Yeah, they just, that, I just refresh my because... feed every <laughs> week or so or two weeks or whatever. <laughs> and then I download all the new episodes. Well, yeah, that's because I'm normally listening to the shows in the week they come out. Yeah. Tim, you're listening to shows currently from 2019 still. But it's great because the po- I, I was listening to podcasts and it was Christmas 2021. And I was like, this is great. Everyone's still talking about the holidays. It was just last year, but still. Nah. <laughs> you're caught up. At least I'm it caught seems up. like I, it. I felt caught up. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it's Christmas time. Here we are. You're looking for presents. I'm like, yes, this is all very uh relatable right now so <laughs> man uh, it's christmas time and we're coming up celebrating the one year anniversary of the insurrection remember that thing that <laughs> happened this year and yeah. you're just like oh wait it is a little dated <laughs> i did listen i did listen to two podcasts recently that were very timely my friend uh and friend of the show tim putre from tim loves the olympics was on an episode of the best podcast which I was on an episode of talking about Jer- uh, no, uh, the best side characters on Seinfeld. This is the best podcast. That's what it's called. Uh, so I was on that one, so check that one out. But he was on an episode talking about the best movie Santa. And oh, I, yeah. I think Miracle of 34th Street won, the, uh, the okay. Natalie Wood version from back in the day. Uh, I don't know how many times that movie's been remade, but not the Richard Attenborough Jurassic Park Santa, the, the original one. I think that one one but i remember so i listened to that and it was the 25th anniversary of the death of chris farley so i listened to the two-part uh dana carvey david spade fly on the wall podcast where they talk to adam sandler and chris rock and just everybody who like tons of people who knew conan o'brien was on that one um yeah just tons of people who knew chris farley and um yeah so that one was that one was good 
But it was also like four hours. So that took me a long time. Yeah. Oh, my God. And what really made me want to listen to that one was not the timeliness of it, but the fact that each episode was 200 megs. I was like, uh, geez. Shit. You know, you guys don't have to save in, like, lossless <laughs> flack. <laughs> like, yeah, Christ. You can bring it down a little. You're just talking to Adam Sandler on the phone. Yeah, like, we, we don't need... <laughs> We don't need a fucking 200 megabyte file here. Yeah, I I don't need like, you know, Grateful Dead uh, bootleg, you know, quality. I don't, I'm not trying to hear every guitar note. I just I just like, wanted to are, hear. Are you guys pressing this podcast to vinyl? Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they could. They definitely could with the quality that was. Yeah. But so how were your holidays, by the way? Oh, you stayed in were great. Texas, yeah. or you came back to PA, or what? Uh, stayed in Texas. Yeah. Um, oh man, I'm gonna have to tell this story again. I just realized oh because oh I haven't boy. told it, haven't told it on the uh, the podcast yet. Told it every single day on the radio show. <laughs> um, so for our New Year's Eve tradition over the last couple of years has been to go get Applebee's and then go to see a movie. Right. Love it. Um, it was super easy to do. Uh, whenever we were in Erie, Pennsylvania, because we had an Applebee's, you know, and and we know it's not like, oh, we love Applebee's. We're aware Applebee's is not great. You know, (laughs) we're we're totally aware that it's mid tier at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, But last year we went down uh, about an hour south to a town called Brenham, Texas, uh, and then went and saw a movie. And actually we went and saw No Way Home. And as the clock struck midnight is, am I like, you think I can do spoilers? It's been a year. I, if I've seen it, you can do spoilers. <laughs> and you've seen No Way Home? And I've seen No Way Home, yeah. Okay. And by as that, I mean, the, like, not, I'm not worried about ruining it for anybody else. I'm saying I'm usually the last <laughs> to see any movie. So, so, so I, yeah. everyone who's going to see it has seen it at this <laughs> exactly. point. Exactly. Okay. So as the clock struck midnight is when uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man caught MJ as she was falling. Wow. And I'm like, that was incredible. So good. <laughs> uh, we, we couldn't time it out as well this year because the last movie time of the movie that we wanted to go see started at like 745. So we mm. were – and the, the theater we went to was an hour and a half away. We were home by 1130. Uh. Um, so we went to Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, about, an, like I said, hour and a half away. Went to Applebee's. Um, I got some, uh, admittedly, uh, a a little too greasy uh, chicken tender and pasta dish. I I don't know what it was called, like the uh, uh, chili chicken mac or something. But it was just a bowl of grease and cheese. Uh, It was good, you know. But (laughs) after I ate the chicken, I was just like slurping up the the pasta because it was so wet. And then it was just like soup at the end. A bowl of grease Um, and cheese, I think, is the final Game of Thrones book. Right, because there's a song of ice and fire, and there's a, uh, a bowl of grease and cheese. A bowl of grease and cheese, I think, is what George R. R. Martin has been working on. Um, so we we go to we go to the theater. Uh, we go to an Alamo Draft House, oh. um, which oh, Tim, you've got to go. I to know. An Alamo. Like if there's if there's two people in this whole fucking world <laughs> that would love Alamo Draft House, it's you and it's the down voter, Aaron yeah. Mook, our our guest from our Christmas episode. My God, it is like, it is the movie nerds movie theater. They respect the film. They respect they, the film. I, I don't know if you saw what I what I tweeted on the No Hugging account, but 
before they get to like all of the the trailers they were just doing a brendan oh, spoiler alert uh, skipping ahead a little bit we went and saw the whale with mm. brendan fraser 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 i forget i, I i've always said fraser i've said fraser, said fraser Fra- too yeah. Okay, so the the whale starring Brendan Fraser. Before the trailers, it was all Brendan Fraser comp of like every movie he's been in. Like they did the trailer for Dudley Do Right. <laughs> uh, they they played trailers for uh, some movies I'd never even heard of. Know the Mummy though, which was interesting. Huh. And they also did full trailer for shit. What's the movie we we reviewed for Blast Patreon? From the past. Blast from the past. Yeah. yeah. And it was so fun just seeing, like, the uh, the original trailer for it. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, how, how much they uh, they just focused on the sexual tension between he and Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, I'm bet. like, that was only part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're watching the movie. We're watching The Whale with Brendan Fraser slash Fraser. And I, I feel like a little grumbling in oh. my tummy, right? But nothing... Nothing major, you know? I Movie ends. Great movie, by the way. I would highly recommend it. It's getting some uh, some, some flack, I think, but I, I loved it. Like I said, hour and a half drive home, so I'm going to the restroom before we leave just to, you know, empty the bladder mm. so I don't have to stop halfway yep. through. I'm going number one. I'm at the urinal, and I let out a little toot, okay. you know? It's just nothing. And I'm like, hmm, that don't feel right. And I... Touch the back of my oh, pants, Tim. Oh, no. And not only right there did I shit myself, throughout the movie, sometime, grease and cheese had been progressively leaking out of my ass. That is gross. I had shit myself watching the whale at an Alamo draft house on New Year's Eve. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. Those four... <laughs> Movie theater employees yeah. working on a holiday. Yeah. Through the underwear, through <sighs> the pants. Oh, my gosh. I cleaned it up as best as I could, and I'm yep. texting Grace as I'm in the stall because she thinks I'm just dilly-dallying and just, like, yeah. on Twitter. And I was like, no, this is an emergency. Oh, my gosh. I told her, whenever I come out of the bathroom, we walk straight out. Do not make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> most of all me <laughs> most, most of all no she she was a very good sport about it you oh, know that's good she, she was like oh i'm sorry do you need anything i'm like no i'm fine let's just go <laughs> so yeah that was uh that was our new year's eve uh oh, came wow. home showered and yeah. uh, we were going to watch the ball drop it was 11:50 <laughs> central time and ah. then i realized oh all of the new year's eve programs are on the east coast so in in the central time zone you have to count down to 11 p.m yeah and 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 then they they all go off air they they all go off air by like 11 45 p.m central time well uh today's episode brought to you by applebee's our new sponsor (laughs) (laughs) dude if only if only like are you are you looking for a new restaurant for your new year's eve celebration (laughs) have you always wanted to leak out your ass while watching the whale starring brendan fraser at an alamo draft house look no further than applebee's now the question is is all of that patreon or does that is that main feed I think oh. some of that has got to be main feed. A uh, lot of that has got to be Patreon. Like, I'll, <laughs> may, maybe I'll keep just the story 
for yeah. free feed, but everything else has got to be Patreon, I think. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, should we get going then? Yeah, might all as right. well. All right. <laughs> Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about, yes, Season 5, Episode 1, The Larry David Sandwich. But before that... Well, we should close out season four, I guess. I think that's the way we normally do it before we get into... Well, do we? Do I want to do homework from last episode and then the top three? Yeah, I think we should do that. Let's do that. I think so. Yeah, yeah that makes more sense. Just completely close out uh, season four. So the only thing we had from the season four finale opening night was a couple of, as I called them, posthumous cameos. <laughs> cameos from people who were not famous at the time, or maybe not. We That's why we like to look it up. Were they famous at the time, or were they... Uh, just just happy to get a gig on HBO. Yvette Nicole Brown played the stewardess, the flight attendant on the plane that uh, that David Schwimmer might have whispered to regarding the position of Larry David's reclined seat. And she was born in 71 in East Cleveland, Ohio, graduated uh, from high school in 89 and then went to the University of Akron and graduated in 94. It's just interesting that she's, uh, you know, a uh, Midwest slash North Atlantic, whatever, whatever Ohio is, especially East, you know, especially the Cleveland area. Uh, after graduating, she took she went to L.A. and took acting classes in Hollywood. Her she first appeared on commercials for entering television shows and films. A few years later, she has been on The War at Home, Girlfriends, Malcolm in the Middle, That's So Raven, Half and Half, and the American version of The Office. Uh, a lot of people uh, may remember her role. She's uh, one of Dwight's uh, staples co-workers hmm. when he goes to staples yeah but this was also pre-community and, and pre-fame and stuff like that but she she definitely nailed that version she had a recurring role as a movie theater manager helen dubois in yes. drake and josh <laughs> that's how i first learned of her i don't think you mentioned that last episode though but that's hilarious francis i mean i i i yeah. I'm, I'm most closely associate her with community but i i yeah. first learned of her with of drake and josh of course yeah but anyone anyone you associate with a disney show or movie uh usually comes up pretty quickly but and let me see oh and she reprised the role on an episode of victorious as well it was her fourth so this episode of curve was like her fourth tv role and she wasn't in and it was stuff like lots of one-off roles like woman woman in restaurant female security agent <laughs> number two uh and that was all leading up to 2009 when community came out she wasn't in a big movie until 2005 which was the island where she played Harvest Nurse. So again, not even a named character. But um, yeah, so this was very early in uh, Yvette Nicole Brown's on-screen career. What about Zachary Levi, who would have gone unnoticed by the podcast, if not for Ted's eagle eye spotting him. He was born in Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana in 1980. And he eventually wound up in Ventura, California. I think his family moved around a lot. And so he went to high school there, began acting on stage at the age of six, performing lead roles in regional productions like Grease, The Outsiders, Oklahoma, Oliver, The Wizard of Oz, and Big River at the Ojai Art Center out there in California, I guess. In 2001, he was in something called The Untitled Cisco Project. I guess it was an unsold TV with, pilot, I with guess. Cisco? Starring like Cisco. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he first appeared in the FX television movie Big Shot, Confessions of a Campus Bookie. He played Kip Stedman on the Sherry Shepard, Andy Dick, Patrick Warburton, 
So a uh, Seinfeld connection. ABC sitcom Less Than Perfect uh, for 81 episodes. He also portrayed a potential boyfriend of Charisma Carpenter's character, Jane, in the uh, ABC Family TV movie See Jane Date. He was scheduled to be a lead in an ABC pilot called Three for the 0405 television season, but the show was not picked up. And he landed possibly his breakthrough starring role in Chuck in 2007. So this was what, like two thousand, like a couple years before that. So again, yeah, this was uh, fall of '05, probably filmed in spring of '05. Yeah. So, so about, again, about he two had, years. He had kind of been in some stuff. Um, you know that that uh, less than perfect. He had a what a recurring role. He had a named recurring role in that, I guess. But uh, this was definitely just you know a guy, just another dude trying to trying to get some work, I guess. Wow, good um, for him. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he nailed it. Very funny. I didn't write down the date. Let me see. I just want to see when Less Than Perfect was airing. That was, oh, 2002 was the first episode. Yeah, but he certainly wasn't, I don't think he was, uh, you know, a huge part of that, or at least the face of it, anyway. I wonder if I look at the poster, if if he's even on the poster. No, he's not. No, not on the poster. Not even on the DVD cover, or whatever the, whatever I saw on IMDb. So, yeah, just, uh, just some working people. Uh, in... This season, so here's a, just a bit of trivia from opening night. Larry plays Max Bialystok and the producers on Broadway and is visited by his cousin Andy when in New York. Richard Kind, who plays cousin Andy, actually played Max Bialystok on Broadway in 2005. Uh, <laughs> How about that? Wow. I, didn't I know. know that. That's really cool. He's got to be a great Bialystok. So let us now consult the book. In this episode, the couple who arrive at David Schwimmer's hotel room party are played by Curb editor and co-producer John Korn and Megan Murphy, whose name always sticks out to me in the closing credits. Mm-hmm. Not only because, you know, we have the same last name, but I have a cousin, Megan Murphy. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, that's cool. and I'm always like, that. I don't think that's, she would and tell me, do, right? Do you, think, do you think that's her? I would, no, I'm pretty sure it's not. I think, I think she spells Megan differently. Okay. Oh, hang on, I'm out of breath from just running up <laughs> a small flight of stairs. Okay, David was in- Larry David was inspired to do the producer's storyline when he went to see the show in NYC. He said, I got the idea as I was watching the play. The actors made it cl- look easy that it didn't seem beyond the realm of possibility that I could play Max Bialystok, and I was quite tickled at the prospect. So I started writing the season and had already written three episodes before I had lunch with Mel and asked him if we could do it. Mel was the one who made it happen because we needed the full cooperation of the show and the unions. Then... Soon after we started filming, I went up to Portland to see the show again, this time knowing I was going to have to do a few of the numbers. As soon as it started, I was mortified. It seemed impossible. (laughs) It was a classic, what have I gotten myself into moment. For the rest of the show, I kept thinking about how I could write myself out of it, but it was too late, so I began to learn the dance numbers. The assistant choreographer, James Hadley, came to my basement. He had a lot of patience because I was not a quick learner, but filming that episode at the St. James Theater with the cast of the producers was easily the most memorable experience I had on the show. Wow. What were they thinking? More from Larry David. Tipping is a bit of an obsession of mine. It requires too much preparation and thought, and it's quite maddening because it has to be done deftly. It's just a terrible anxiety-producing process. And let's face it, if you have a $20 bill and the tip you need to leave is much smaller, you feel like an idiot asking for change. I feel like if I ran for president on the platform of no tipping, I'd win. I can't (laughs) say he's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, you'd also need to say, like, Okay, well, we're also going to, I don't know, triple minimum wage yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, you, you don't need to leave a tip anymore, but waiters and waitresses and all, all, all service, they're still only going to work for $2 an hour. <laughs> that, <exactly>. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like the no tipping would be 
a bullet point in a much larger platform of of of, of working, you know, paying people a living wage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but a necessary one, you know. Let's put it on the list. Yes. It's on the yes. list. Um, what were they thinking? Susan Stroman, director and choreographer of the producers. She said when Larry David called to say that he wanted to learn King of Broadway for one of the episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, it sounded like a joke in itself. <laughs> Everybody was so excited at the thought of Larry David being on stage at the St. James, so all the unions came together to make it happen. We began the process of getting him rehearsed. Now, as talented as Larry David is, he is not a dancer. However, my goal was to make it look like he could dance in a Broadway show. I had one of my assistants start working with him on the basics. He was fantastic. I think he loved learning a new skill. He really rose to the occasion and had a dogged determination to make sure the choreography was right. So awesome. Sounds like Larry David really putting in the work. Like not like Larry David the on curb, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we learned for that real. It's Larry David hear, the real man yeah. is uh is is doing the work. Has some kind of work ethic, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, and the only other thing from this uh, that I want to point out is one of my favorite lines of the series to this point that they decided to highlight, and I'm glad they did. Cheryl to Larry, what are you doing in the lobby 20 minutes before the show fighting with a Sikh? <laughs> I, th- I thought she also, I thought something also was about being in, what are you doing in costume? I thought that was part of the quote, but hey, who am I to uh, correct the book, which has been right on so many, so many occasions? Uh, after that, there's just a little bit of the improv process regarding season four. And we just get that little outline, you know, the one little paragraph outline from episode one of season three where he's at the karaoke bar and he talks to Jeff and tries to hit on the woman. And then another one, season five from The Blind Date, when Ben Stiller and Larry David argue about uh, who should sit in the front seat. Uh, there's a little map in here. Wow, this looks this looks pretty helpful. Well, I wish I would have known. It's, it's literally like all the locations that I've looked up in a bunch of like the... <laughs> Like Bobo's Restaurant, Palmetto, the perfume store Mindy Riser owns in the terrorist attack, Tea Bags, Northless, which I thought was fake, but I guess maybe this is the fake location of where it would be. I don't know. <laughs> Weird. All right, I might have to look at that later. Let's see. We got an interview with Susie Essman in here, who of course plays Season Green, and then Susie Green, I mean, and then we get the, then we're into Season 5. So there we go. That is all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Do we have any like news or anything? I mean, probably. It's kind of yeah, pro- <laughs> hard to do that, though, if we're not like, God, I, I, uh, we're so, so weird on dates right now, you know, with uh, yeah. just re- just recording this, uh, pulling back the garden, recording this on January 8th. Most people will not hear this until, I don't know, January 22nd or the week <laughs> following that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it, there's a chance someone doesn't hear this until January 28th. And we may be doing news from the middle of December. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so eh, yeah, eh. we'll try to catch up on news next week, maybe. Yeah. Why not? It, it, is there anything like big, anything super important? I don't think I saw anything. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I think we're, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, before we get into the whole spiel, do you, do we want to do uh, right. top episodes of season four? Yes. I'm trying to choose my third. I think I only have two. Let me just look through the notes for a second. Do you have to look through your notes as well? I I was looking through them, um, yeah. and I was having trouble thinking. I'm like, I know I had like obviously my number one was locked in. I thought I had my number two locked in, but I could not remember. But I I think I remembered what number two was. But I, I know the fight was for number three. I thought, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently my my uh, my second my my number two did not leave as much of a memorable of an impression as I thought it did. Yeah. I think we were both. I think we both had number one and number two locked up, but I as the same. I, and I think that's. But I could well, then, be wrong okay. about that. If it, if well, then you go. Is first that your recollection? Maybe, 
Maybe your number two was my number two as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think they were flip-flopped, but let me just – I'm just trying to look at – Oh, that's right. The... That's right. Your your one was my two, and yep. your two was my one. I think that's right. Okay, so why don't you go first, and then I'll I'll know what I originally put for number two then. Well, let me just look. Let me just look through. Let me just look through my notes for these two that I'm trying to figure out uh, for number three. Let me see. <laughs> okay, I think I got it. And it's it's just one huge laugh that pushed one over the other. But that's what I was looking for. That's why I had to look at my notes. So okay, number three is season four, episode seven, the surrogate. And the reason why was when Larry pulls over near a playground to call David Schwimmer's dad. And as he's leaving a message, he goes, hey, this is Larry David. I just wanted to say, fuck you. What the fuck are you doing, you fucking asshole? <laughs> I, could laugh, I could watch that scene a million times on loop, and I don't think my laugh on, on watch one million would be different than watch one. It was just so funny. It worked on me so well. So that's what that's that's what pushed the surrogate over my honorable mention, which is the five wood, which I can't even I, when I was looking through, I was like, why did I like this one so much? I don't know. It must have been good, but uh, not as good as that laugh from the surrogate. So number two is the season four finale opening night. We both agreed that one was hilarious and a great uh, uh, send off of a, of a season. And number one is The Carpool Lane, my double star episode from the entire run of the series. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the uh, the double star yeah. rules. Yep. So uh, for, for anyone who's just listening to the premiere of season five as your first episode, uh, double stars are, at least for Tim, <laughs> his favorite episode of the series so far. You can only have one double star episode. If you choose to uh, name a new double star episode, it takes a double star away from any previous episode. And I have a, a similar ranking system, <laughs> as opposed to just, you know, stars of episodes that we like. I have stars and up arrows, which is just oh, yes. uh, f- favorite of the season so far, which number one for me last week, I, I will go reverse chronological, uh, reverse chronological, reverse numerical. Yeah, same reverse- way I did it. You're going Reverse three, numerical. two, one. Well, I, I was going to go one, two, three. Oh, just you're going to go one, I, two, three. Okay. Yeah, um, because I, I put, uh, I, I thought it was interesting because you put it at number three. My number one episode, uh, best of the season, I thought, season four, episode seven was The Surrogate. Oh, that was your number one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking I had number two as opening night, so I think yeah. we were the same there, and then I, for the life of me, cannot think what I was originally thinking for number three, but I cannot not pick the carpool lane, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's Season just, four, episode six. If, I, if someone wanted to know what Curb was about, I would show them the carpool lane. It's just, <laughs> it's just the perfect textbook episode of Curb, and it's absolutely hilarious to boot you know it's like there are lots of great as we've you know i had so many star lows and star low lows and half stars or whatever in this season um <laughs> that I, I remember getting to the you end didn't of the even podcast need them. i know i didn't even need them but i remember getting to the end of all these episodes and going this was a great average episode of, of curb your enthusiasm which is a hundred times better than anything else on tv but you know it just doesn't reach that upper echelon of episodes but curb but but the carpool lane was is just lightning in a bottle yeah. as far as curve well, episodes go. It, it definitely season four definitely felt a lot better talking about and watching as opposed to season three because season three I had 
two stars and two star lows yeah. like through the whole through the whole season. I was like, God, I hope the show gets better because I'm not enjoying this. I, I'm I'm not enjoying watching it. I'm not enjoying talking about it. But then we got into wow. season four, yeah. and I had one, two, three, four, five, uh, five stars and a star up arrow. So the majority yeah. of the season was. Uh, highly above average. I think I'm about in the same boat. When I was looking through my notes, I was like, there's another star. There's a star low. There's a star low low. There's a star. So, yeah, it's it's definitely hitting its stride in season four, which I think is kind of normal for a, for a TV show. All right. Should, we, should I get into my whole spiel then? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Close the book on season All right. four. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last 41 minutes being a lot of research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Of course, you can find Tim and I's personal Instagrams, but there is no guarantee guarantee that we will respond to you or even see it much like our our one friend uh i don't know what was his name fucking bob or something who on christmas day (laughs) had to complain about our christmas special what kind of fucking pathetic life does a guy who has to complain about a podcast on Christmas have? And and be so wrong, too, because he was like, it was just, he said something like, there's 20 minutes of setup, and I was like, oh, God, because there was longer than 20 minutes of setup, and I was like, oh, no, did Ted leave in a bunch of, like, our technical? No, it's like, no, it's, it's, it, there's a passing mention in the first four minutes or something of whether yeah, we should keep and- going with the, te- cause, cause uh, Zencaster shit the bed, like not, not, not their pants in a movie, the bed. Okay. Ted, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, going to be the new and, shit the bed. Like, oh, man, Zencaster really shit their pants in a movie. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he, one good point he did have is, like, no one knows who the guest is. He's never introduced. We never did introduce the downvoter, but he's true. been on so many episodes yes. with us so far. Is there is there anyone who is just only listening to our 2022 Christmas special as our first exposure? I'm sure there is. You know, I'm sure yeah. there is. And, and to those people who did not call us out, on christmas day i apologize but to whatever this fucking dude's name was no go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) and um for you know he he may not have been introduced but he was extroduced or whatever it's called at the end when we when we said his you know when we thanked him for being on the show so you just have to stay with the podcast to find out who it was who our mystery (laughs) guest was but yeah he's been on like 10 episodes or something so i mean and and that's i don't think that's much of an exaggeration yeah i even even said like again the, the night of Christmas, <laughs> go back and listen. Rethink your podcast plans. That's what and I, I love I, your plans. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just said, like, I, I, I even replied to him. I should not have replied, but I said, <laughs> LMAO, no one's making you listen, Bob. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I love it. Like, not just, you know, rethink that one episode. Rethink your plans. Like, rethink ten, your entire like- plan. <laughs> We're coming up on five years of this show, Tim. Like, that's five years of podcasting, not to, like, downplay our decades of just broadcasting experience. Of broadcast experience, (laughs) yes. On top of the show. (laughs) 
rethink your podcast plans. Like, oh, no, we got to go back. <laughs> like, Aww, like we had, Like, that's assuming we had plans, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> yeah, we, we had no plan going into this, really. I think that's been pretty obvious. Um, okay, what do, what do I get to after I got off on a huge, huge rant there? <laughs> um, okay, if you do like us, give us a five-star rating and a written review over on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. If you like us a little bit more than that, I'm sure, you, you know, we've been recording now for 45 minutes. You might be looking at your podcast player and saying, what are they talking about 45 minutes? This only says 21 minutes. What happened to that other 20 minutes? It lives over on our Patreon where you can find the holy, uh, not not wholly unedited, but like mostly untouched version of every single episode. Patreon.com slash no hugging, where for five bucks a month, you're going to get early access to every single episode. And those episodes are going to have so much more content to them. And you also get movie reviews from the Seinfeld cinematic universe. Could it have someone from Seinfeld? Could it have someone from Curb Your Enthusiasm? Could it just be a movie that exists on HBO Max <laughs> like it did with A Christmas Story Christmas? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but we get those out. Um, we're we're going to try and get back to doing those monthly uh, in, in 2023, I, I, I think. Because we kind of got off the rails with that towards the end of the year. But everyone's so busy at the end of the yep, year. So we're going to get back to doing those a little, little more often. All that being said... Season 5, Episode 1, The Larry David Sandwich. Original air date, September 25th, 2005. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see one of our uh, our specials here. Or the, the TV Guide specials, anyway. Mm. In the Season 5 premiere, <laughs> Larry is changed by a near-death experience, a revelation, and a sandwich. Wow. Yeah, I like it just as much as when I heard it initially. I don't think we're going to be able to make it too much better. Maybe even better than any time we've tried to tie three plot lines together with one verb. So <laughs> we'll see when we get to the end if it holds up. We begin with Larry David swimming. Uh, I don't know where he is, but it looks like he's about a mile from the shore, which I think My would be his first God, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Why the fuck is he so far out? How did you get out there? That's <laughs> what you're are in you danger, doing, Larry. <laughs> Yeah, um, and he... You're only a danger to yourself right now, like... You, yeah, it's, if you had died, no one would have been like, oh man, I can't believe anybody can go out. No, he was, he's so far from shore. <laughs> and also yeah, for a guy he, who hates the beach. If he would have drowned out there, then everyone just would have been like, eh, well, what was he doing out so far? Yeah, no one would have even known you drowned. You would just be a missing person. Because you were yeah. so far out from shore, they'd go, Larry David disappeared one night, no one knows what happened to him. Because you would not, you might not wash up that far out. You might just, you know, wash out to yeah. sea. He would eventually, but like maybe not even in L.A. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be down in like San Juan or something, or uh, or you know, San Diego. It'd be way down the coast. It uh, he's way out there, uh, but he does. He is pulled under and he begins drowning. Uh, and, but then he makes it to the beach somehow. Uh, and I just want to bring up, uh, you know, I had a the closest I've ever been to death is like i count this as my near death experience is like i was in florida with a couple of friends one friend lived down there and we went to visit him and we were at the beach and he was like you see where it you know the the water get got dark and then there was a part of it that got light and he was like yeah it's a sandbar you can stand out there and we're like oh cool and so he by the way was like a collegiate level swimmer and we were not like <laughs> we you know i i had like noodly arms 
uh, even noodlier than they are now and was just, you know, skinny and whatever. But I'm still like, yeah, it looks like right there. It's going to, you know, he, he kept telling us just how close it was. Um, and so we start swimming out to this sandbar. And when we get there, like, I'm so tired, but I'm like, oh, when I get there, I'll be able to rest. But I don't know whether it was high tide or whether he misremembered or what, but you could not touch out there. If you went underwater, you could touch, you know, but you can't rest and do that. You know, it's like being in the deep end of a pool. You can go down yeah. to the deep end. And that's like what it was. And I did not have the energy to swim back. <laughs> and people are, when I look back behind us, people are ants on the beach. And I'm like, oh, this is damn. it. Like my life is flashing before my eyes. Like I'm thinking about how my friends are going to have to tell my parents that I've died on this trip down to Florida. They're back in Virginia. And like, like, and watching Larry walk up on the beach was obviously I made it. I did not die, but it was like, so like my friend and I are both swimming back and, and like, you know, I'm like saying goodbye and stuff. It's, it was just uh, a harrowing experience, but somehow I did make it back to the shore and like I staggered up the beach just like Larry and then just like collapsed on the towel and just like had never been happier and yet more tired and terrified in my life. But, and also like no one was reacting. I was like, I think there were lifeguards on this beach and I was like, I sure could use one, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I never really tried to get their attention either. It's like that, uh, like the introvert memes on, um, on, online like i saw one that was like the the lifeguard you know carrying me back from the beach and it's like are you mad at me (laughs) (laughs) um so it's like that kind of like vulnerability and even asking for help in my darkest hour is still i didn't want to do it but i I made it back but so i completely identified with larry in this like i know how i made it back to shore and it's mostly by like floating on my back and kicking with my legs whatever i could you know and, and being helped along by by the ocean but i mean that was I really thought it was the end. I was my arms like just did not work at all. I thought that was it. Have you ever had a, a near death experience like that, uh, or just any in any you know maybe a bad car accident or or whatever I've never, you know? Any never been. Experience. I've never been in a really bad car accident. Uh, my wheel fell off as I was driving in my my ninety nine CRV, but thankfully I skid to a stop on the road ten feet before I tumbled down. Uh, a pretty large embankment. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah, 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 sure. Like driving in the snow and stuff like where we, you know, lived in Erie and stuff like that, there can be some like, oh my God, that car's not stopping. This car is not, you know, that kind of thing. That that would count, <laughs> I would think. But yeah, anything that affects you on, on as deep a level as Larry ends up being affected. Yeah, not uh, not as big as Larry was affected. No, yeah. absolutely not. Like it, it may have affected me for the day, but yeah. <laughs> nothing still... as big as Larry's. I can still like close my eyes and and picture myself in that in Damn. that moment like being at that and then the next day my, my so I was they're like we're going back out there and I was like what are you an idiot because but my other friend was like no this time I've got a kickboard like he brought a, a boogie board out there or something <laughs> and I was like you're still not going to be able to touch why go back why go out there so yeah they all went out there um, and I stayed safely on the shore or at least where I could touch uh, on the beach. So Larry, we cut to after this, uh, you know, harrowing experience where Larry makes it back to the beach. We cut to him telling the story of this experience at a party. And he's, he calls it divine intervention. And everyone's sort of riveted with the fact that Larry might've died. Um, 
you know, even though, as we said, it would have totally been his fault <laughs> for yeah. as far out as he was. Yeah. He leaves that part out, I guess. But everyone's like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> that was divine intervention. And you're so lucky. And um, I didn't so- even think of, like, how he purposefully is leaving out how far <laughs> out he was. <laughs> He, he he wants people to agree with him absolutely <laughs> yeah uh so he wants to go to temple for high holy days and it's at this point that i had to look up uh where we are in the season and the high holy days so as you know uh, ted and i both waspy uh, learning about the jewish faith through curb your enthusiasm the high holy days are from rosh, rosh hashanah to yom kippur and all the days in between so kind of like the 12 days of Christmas, if I could uh, bring it to the, the Christian side. <laughs> so kind of like the 12 days of Christmas are from Christmas to January 6th, the Epiphany, the High Holy Days are between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it's um, 25 days, I think I saw, something like that. And normally they fall somewhere in late September slash early October. So we are time appropriate. Nice. Yeah. Uh, unlike all of season four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's really a mixed bag when they mention when they when they timestamp an episode, and so uh, not that it needs to be around the same time, but you know, it's just that kind of nice when it is. So it, it works a lot better. It works so much better than when you're having like a Halloween episode in February. Yeah, yeah. But one thing uh, that Christians and Jews have in common is that some people only go to church or temple on important days to the church. So for instance, my family and I went to a Christmas Eve service as a lot of, uh, you know, cultural Christians do. They'll go, um, you know, we've always called them CEOs, Christmas, Easter, and one other Sunday. Uh, I've also heard, oh, I've also heard just C&Es. So Christmas and Easter, they give out tickets for these high holy days for people to attend temple. And so Jeff Jeff got his tickets months ago, and he's going to see if he can get some for Larry. But by the way, big news, Jeff was in Leo's Delicatessen the other day, and now there's a Larry David sandwich on the menu. Uh, It's got whitefish, sable, capers, onions, and cream cheese, which Larry (laughs) finds disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's not a fish guy. Yeah, not a fish guy. I don't think, I mean, that sandwich sounds like, it sounds like it would taste good, but I don't think I'd ever order it. It sounds like it's just an appetizer on a sandwich. Like, yeah. It, it doesn't seem like you would want a full meal of that. Yeah, I would serve it open-faced and grab it on like uh, a cracker or a, um, what do they call, like a those little toasted pieces of bread. There's like a special name for them, I don't know. But yeah, not but not like bite into a sandwich, Like, but it sounds like salty and and creamy and delicious, but not to uh, not to Larry. Um, and it's at that point a kid jumps down the stairs and bumps into Larry, who spills some coffee on the carpet. But when the owner of the house comes by, the kid does not fess up, and so Larry gets blamed for the stain on the carpet. Uh, he tells Cheryl he wants to leave, but they carpooled with Jeff and Susie. Um, and, in other words, Jeff and Susie got a ride with Larry and Cheryl. And so Larry's like, find somebody to give you a ride or give me a call. If you give me a call, I'll come pick you up after the party's over, whatever. Uh, So cut to home, which I meant to look this up beforehand because I know we had that big. This is the same home from season four, right? I, oh, it might be. It looks different. But then again, we we only see like a little tiny part of it. Yeah, and it's night. It's nighttime. So we can't even. But I, um. Let me see, because I'm trying to remember where that... No, I thought it was in season... thought it was in season three. I thought it was in season... Oh, there it is. Uh, the houses. Season two and three, season four. No, season five is a different house. So, yeah. Is it really? Four, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and season four... Yeah, season season four was in Malibu. 
and season five is in Brentwood. This house was down the street from the original season one house. I was amazed we were allowed back into this neighborhood given the problems we'd had with one of the neighbors during filming of the first season. Larry liked the open floor plan and the big entryway, but wasn't crazy about the owner's furnishings. So we basically gutted it and started over. The house had Spanish architecture similar to the house, similar to the house in season four. So that's where we were both kind of tripped up, I guess, because the, the front looks a little the same and it also is that spanish architecture we added slightly more traditional and contemporary furnishings in contrast to the eastern moroccan flavor of the homeowner's belongings this time around we had a much bigger budget and had more time to make over the house before filming began so new house confirmed for season five cheryl and larry are there having sex and one thing so larry's dirty talk consists of she's like oh larry and larry goes call me mr tibbs which (laughs) is uh, (laughs) a A movie quote. It's a Sidney Poitier uh, quote from, man, is that In the Heat of the Night? I think it might be In the Heat of the Night. I forget, though. Um, or or maybe it's a movie called Call Me Mr. Tibbs or whatever. I guess I could look it up. Um, but I, I definitely recognized it. And it's just such weird, dirty talk. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So the, mo- the movie was literally called They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. And it was a sequel oh to In the Heat of the Night. There we go. That's okay, where I got confused. Okay. Yeah. So he's playing the same character. But um, yeah, they just, they were like, that'd be like calling Star Wars, I am your father. You know? <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> um, uh, something like that. Just like, let's call the movie the quote everyone's going to be saying. Uh, especially having sex when they're having sex with their wife. Call me yeah, Mitchell. absolutely. It's just a weird, like, I don't know. I love movie quotes and I just try to keep them out of the bedroom. You know, <laughs> like, I don't think they, first of all, I don't think they, you know, I don't know if anybody would get them besides me. And there's only one other person there. Uh, and um, and also, I don't think they'd be appreciated if if they were, you know, if they knew the reference. But that the phone rings. Larry is worried that it might be Jeff calling to be picked up like he promised he would do if he called. And Cheryl's like, don't answer the phone. But he, Larry does answer the phone. And Jeff made it home, but he was calling to tell him that he couldn't get any tickets to him for Temple. He could maybe try a scalper. And so there's temple ticket scalpers. And when Larry hangs up the phone, he tries to get back down to business, but it has completely killed the mood for Cheryl. And I loved, I loved Larry's bit here where he's like, oh, mustn't interrupt the intercourse. Everyone quiet for the intercourse. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of respect that line of thinking. Like, come on. Like, that's going to kill the whole, like, oh, it's got to be, oh, this sacred moment. You know, like, I I appreciated that. (laughs) I appreciated that point of view that he had oh mustn't interrupt oh my gosh the sacred intercourse everyone quiet i thought that was hilarious it doesn't work of course but probably it makes him feel right at least so over at leo's deli which is fake as you could probably tell from the cgi'd sign but oh my god it was so (laughs) obvious like this was word art yeah this looked like legit (laughs) word art on the side of the building it really was yeah uh it really did look like that but it was actually filmed in a real deli Mort's Deli at 1035 (laughs) Swarthmore Avenue in Pacific Palisades. Mort's Deli was open from 1978 to 2007 in this location, but I think uh, Mort started a deli in, uh, you know, in the early 70s, and then they moved to this location where they were for years and years. Uh, Celebrity clientele of Mort's Deli included Larry King, Larry David, of course, Marlon Brando loved it, Steve Gutenberg, Martin Short. Uh, as we learn, he had a sandwich on the wall there, at least if it's the same as, you know, if, if Mort's Deli had the celebrity sandwiches, uh, Anthony Hopkins would be spotted there. And now it's um, a shopping center, like one of those shopping centers that looks like a 
like the prefabricated villages that they put up in like a theme park. Like if you've ever been to oh, Garden, yeah. Williamsburg or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's like designed to look like a quaint little town, but it's really just like this stucco building that they threw up. Yeah, so that's that's what's there now. Larry is there with his dad, who is so proud that Larry David has a sandwich on the wall of this storied Los Angeles delicatessen. And we can see that Larry's sandwich is right next to some of the other stars that have sandwich names after them. Uh, Rob and Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, Tom Hanks, Martin Short, who is listed as Marty Short on the board. <laughs> uh, Steve Martin and oh, Jason Alexander has a sandwich. That's cool. And Ted Danson. Uh, Leo comes out from the back and shakes Larry David's hand, crushing it in the process. Very strong handshake from Leo that you can hear. I mean, they, they put in little snaps even of the bones like being crushed uh, when Leo shakes his hand. And Larry mentions, you know, he's not a big fan of the sandwich. And can he switch? Can he give him a new sandwich or can he switch sandwiches with somebody? And Leo's like, I'll tell you what, if you can get someone to switch sandwiches with you, fine. You can switch sandwiches. But it's at that point that his dad begins having some sort of medical emergency and and an ambulance is called. He's carried out in the ambulance. Uh, but before Larry goes to jump in the ambulance, he grabs a giant handful of mints uh, from next to the cash <laughs> register. <laughs> M- meanwhile, all is Leo is looking at him yeah. disapprovingly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder if Larry even settled the check. I mean, I- I'd imagine... I imagine there'd be time before the paramedics got there, but also, is it the thing you're concerned about? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You're like, oh, come on. I, I can't settle my check, the check right now. My dad's like lying on the ground. It's like, well, we're waiting. What are you going to yeah, do while we're, we're wait- waiting? Waiting for the ambulance. I mean, we yeah. got like, got at least 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> not going to take me that long to, to take your card. Yeah. Yeah, you can pay the check, but I wonder if he did. So over at the Taper Foundation for Transplants or whatever it is, the the Taper Foundation Transplant Center, I think that's what it is. You can hear all about it, the deep dive on that in The Surrogate, my third favorite episode from last season. Uh, because that's where Larry and the surrogate were both uh, taken for some treatment. Uh, It it turns out uh, Nat had a stroke, and Larry blames the sandwich. He was like, you were so shocked from having the sandwich. Or or, or the doctor, you know, tells him, like, if he he was choking. He fishes for, like, the possibility of it being the sandwich. And, yeah, the doctor's like, well, yeah, I'm sure if he if he was choking, then maybe he would have gotten scared, which would have then like upped his blood pressure, and then he would have had a stroke. And then even after all that, Larry's like, I think it was the sandwich. I I'm knew like, it was Jesus the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the sandwich. Uh-huh. Yeah. I knew it was the sandwich. Yeah. And the doctor offers to do the surgery himself. He's head of surgery there. He's like, normally I just delegate, but I'll do it for you because and I guess it's because he loves Seinfeld. <laughs> I forget, did uh, he say, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld or The Seinfeld Show? I feel like he said The Seinfeld Show, and I'm disappointed oh, in myself man. for not tracking it. But I feel like he said The Seinfeld Show. <laughs> um, we might have to go back and uh, I'll, I'll try <laughs> to start clocking that every every time someone says Seinfeld. <laughs> in the room, uh, you know, Larry is, Larry's dad is sort of, you know, unresponsive. I mean, he's, he's motioning, he can't really speak, and Larry is, uh, you know, blaming the sandwich in the room again. But Nat... Also pulls Larry close to him and tells him not that he's a doctor, but that he is adopted. (laughs) And it's as Larry is ushered out of the room. I guess like visiting hours are over or whatever. It's like, this is this man's father. And you're like, he's forcibly physically making him leave. Yeah, he's getting bum rushed out of his dad's hospital room. He's like, okay, you need to go. I'm like, what? Did he do something? Yeah. Like, they're putting hands <laughs> on him. Like, this nurse comes in and is like, man, uh, I guess uh, it's just strict. But- I guess we I guess we missed all of the, the previous warnings of, <laughs> yeah. hey, visiting hours are almost over. Yeah, Larry was really overstaying his welcome. But also, 
Larry's kind of psyched. He's like telling everybody outside. And at first it's like, huh, huh, I might be adopted. But, but then he like begins telling everyone in an excited way, like, Hey, I, I might be adopted. I, I might be adopted. Uh, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Real, real giddy about it. Yeah. Very. I feel like, didn't George have a similar, and maybe this speaks to, you know, later on, like if you are adopted, the good, like you're, you're that means you're not connected to your parents who you think are crazy in, in, in any real way, I guess you know, that there may be hope you won't turn out like them or something. I feel like George had some sort of idea about this as well. Let me see if I can just find it really quick. Maybe it was that episode. I don't know. But I feel like George had a similar thinking to it, as Larry might be, uh, being so psyched about it. Uh, Over at stage 12 on some studio lot somewhere, Larry and Jeff are there watching Ted Danson film a new pilot, and he comes over and pretty much agrees to switch sandwiches with Larry until he hears what the sandwich is and agrees that it sounds awful. And even though Ted is hardly ever in there and Larry goes at least three times a week, he tells him he, he's not going to switch sandwiches with him. He's got like a nice turkey sandwich that's like a classic and does not want Larry's fish sandwich. I love how Jeff is just like trying to be helpful. Like Larry was trying to give him the hard the hard sell, like leaving out certain things, talking about it. He's like, oh, it's a, it's a white fish sandwich. And Jeff's like, yeah, capers and onions and cream cheese. And like adding in I- all the... <laughs> And I, I love, I've never seen this in like improv before. Or I, I should say in this show's improv, Larry just like interrupts him and goes, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, every time Jeff so thinks he's funny. helping with more details, he's hurting Larry's case. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, but he, but Jeff obviously did not know the angle. He thought he was like, oh, we're just telling him about the sandwich. He's into it. Like, no. <laughs> We're trying to soften this blow and give him as few details as possible. Capers and onions. He keeps mentioning the, mentioning the capers and onions, I think. So over at Temple, this was a funny scene to me. I like Larry encountering the Temple ticket scalper. That is a funny. I could see the, you know, this idea, it seems like kind of so easy. Like when you find out that they give out tickets for Temple, the next step is that there'd be scalpers outside, just like there would be a Dodgers game or something. Like, who needs two? Who needs two? I got two right up front. Like, right up front, dude. That's funny. Like, you know, like, there's a good or bad seat at the temple. It's like, oh, the cantor's going to be spitting on you. You're so close. <laughs> uh, so he talks him down. He's like, I got I got two for 600 And Larry talks him down immediately, half price, 300 yeah, He's um, like, I'll maybe give you this- 300 for the pair. Scalper yeah. immediately agrees to it. Yeah. And maybe he saw, I mean, everyone's going inside. You know, it's it's coming down to game time. So maybe the scalper was like, either I, either I dump these now or maybe not at all. So cut his losses at 300 for two. <laughs> and the kid from the party clocks Larry buying scalped temple tickets. Meanwhile, he goes up and uh, meets up with Susie and Jeff, and he says that Antoinette, his assistant, tracked down a nanny that Larry had when he was little, and he's asking her about whether he was adopted or not, because she might know when she started taking care of him. Meanwhile, Larry sees down the steps Richard Lewis in an intense discussion with Leo of Leo's Delicatessen, and... (laughs) This didn't really come back up later, but it was kind of a funny... It, it was funny, but an acquaintance comes up and says hi to Larry. And he's like, oh, and motions to Susie. And this is your wife? And Larry goes, no, 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 that's my <laughs> wife <over there." laughs> His disgusted reaction when Susie was mistaken for his wife was hilarious. And what was uh, what was Larry saying about uh, about the hat? He's like, well, you got this oh, uh, yeah, something you got your Al Capone hat, hat. You got this Al, Al Capone, Capone hat. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
hilarious. It reminded Larry's disgusted reaction in this instance reminded me of Larry offending Mary Steenburgen's mom when they went shopping and he he drank out of her glass and he goes, oh, God. And he's like, oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> not that you're vomit inducing, but yeah, it, it, was, it was hilarious. But it, it never really comes back up. It's just a funny, you know, it's just a funny situation. Inside, during service, Larry starts an argument. Actually, Richard Lewis starts an argument with Larry David about getting a sandwich, even though Richard Lewis says he's in there way more than Larry David is and that, you know, he doesn't deserve a sandwich and Richard Lewis deserves a sandwich. He wants to know what he, you know, what he did to get a sandwich before him and all that. And it's during this ruckus that a security officer comes up and asks to see Larry's tickets. And we find out the kid from the coffee in the carpet and earlier snitched on Larry for buying scalp tickets and Larry gets kicked out. Once again, Jeff and Susie carpooled with Larry, and so Larry doesn't want to wait around till the service is over to drive them home, and so I guess they're going to have to find a ride home just like they did from the party. But what's weird is, like, why is Larry getting kicked out? Because Yeah, the- what, what did he do? I guess because Richard Lewis leaned back and started arguing with him? Yeah. Why, why isn't Richard Lewis getting kicked out? Well, I think I, the feeling I, that I, Larry's I getting know, kicked man. out because he has scalped tickets because the cop looks over at the kid. He's like, this the guy? And the kid's like, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, but he, he bought tickets. He has – no one he came in tickets. and was like, hey, these are fake tickets. You're in my seat. They're real yeah. tickets. Yeah, I, I don't get why he's getting kicked out either. Uh, also, yeah. <laughs> also, like, this kid is doing the job of, like, the cop's boss, I yeah. guess. <laughs> like, this cop is taking orders from a child. Yeah taking the kid's word over anything else like a child coming over and saying hey kick this grown adult out because he bought tickets on the secondary market and that is what they're non-transferable or something well i I don't get why (laughs) those seats are going to be empty if larry's not in them like now they're going to be empty no one's showing up to get those seats i i don't think this is the emmys i don't think uh (laughs) i i don't think this uh, i don't think this temple has seat fillers yeah it is la but not it's not that la you know yeah it's just weird that you can't buy tickets outside if no one's going to use them what if the scalper gave them to him for free what if they were friends and it's like hey i can't make it to temple do you want my tickets yes would that be illegal uh it's just weird we don't know uh it might just be a plot point (laughs) that we're overanalyzing so later larry and jeff are playing golf with his dad's doctor the chief of surgery there at the hospital and he has left his wife and he's dating his secretary uh, larry has found out and when the doctor goes to putt he starts shaking and larry says he's got the yips which i thought was (laughs) i thought he said he's got the eps the first time i heard it which i thought might have been larry david slang for epilepsy I was oh, like, he's no. got the he's got the Eps, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it uh, he as he says it much more clearly when he gets home and begins explaining it to Cheryl. He's got the yips, and Cheryl's like, if it were me, I'd already be on the phone saying that guy's not going to be doing my surgery. Like when he gets nervous, he starts shaking. Like you know, that's we we <laughs> can't have that. And so Larry's got to call the hospital, which he dreads. He's like, I hate calls like this. And he can't even do it in front of Cheryl. I identify with Larry so much in this. Oh, like, my I have to God. Call for, do you not? <laughs> not really, no. no. Uh, I'm, I'm the I one call... who makes the calls in our in our family. <laughs> I am, too. But I also have to psych myself up for it. Like, oh, God, I got to call. Like, you know, we're trying to get some work done on the house or a car or something. And it's like, hey, they haven't called us back. It's been a week. Like, call them and see where I'm like, ah, they're going to call us. It's not going to. They're not going <laughs> to forget about us. You're like, no, call and see where it is. Like, oh, 
all right, let me lock myself in my office and see if I can psych myself up to to make this call. I don't know why, but maybe, you know, fellow introverts can commiserate. But yeah, Larry's like, you got to leave the room. I can't even do this in front of you. (laughs) Uh, And when he calls the doctor, the doctor is in mid lovemaking as well with his secretary and he does not answer the phone. (laughs) <laughs> which Larry did run that by as he sometimes does his sort of arguments with, with uh, Cheryl, Jeff and Susie is like, Hey, middle of sex, you guys answer the phone. And they're like, no. And Susie especially is like, no, it's an intimate moment between two. You don't answer the phone in the middle of, uh, in the middle of that. And so uh, the doctor is following society's rules and uh, ignoring the phone call uh, back at the hospital. Uh, Nat is much more with it than he was earlier. And he tells Larry that he's not adopted. That's not what he said. He doesn't know what Larry's talking about. And it's pretty funny because there's a stare down here. It's pretty good. So we're starting the, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, we're starting the season with, with a stare down. And yesterday, Ted, or I texted Ted to make sure we were on for this morning. And when he said we were, I texted him back with a GIF. Of Larry going, of Larry doing a stare down and saying, okay. And it's this scene. I had no Is idea. It really? Yeah, I had no idea when I texted you because I hadn't watched the episode yet. I just liked Larry going, okay. Because that <laughs> was my response. And um, I had no idea it was from wow. this scene. I didn't I even pick up. It's, thi- it's this fucking scene. This Jesus. exact scene, yeah. Larry now questions whether he's adopted or not. Over at Leo's, the Larry David sandwich is now the Richard Lewis sandwich and Richard Lewis is there <laughs> I, with some friends. I, yeah. I, I love this because not only is it just like renamed, it's white masking tape with <laughs> Sharpie with Richard Lewis's name over what you can still see says Larry David. It was a rush job. Leo was not waiting for the sign. <laughs> Uh, and L- Richard Lewis is there with a group of friends and Larry confronts Richard Lewis and he plays as a trump card here. He tells him that he's adopted. So as far- so that's why he deserves having the sandwich more than Richard Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did we miss something? Where is this beef from Larry and Richard Lewis coming from? Because like, I don't know. Is it, is it just professional jealousy? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Yeah. Why did you get it, it something? Just, yeah. I don't know. It just came on like very heavy this episode yeah it's it's that meme i don't care that something good happened to you it should have happened to me <laughs> okay <laughs> which is okay. one of my favorites <laughs> and so richard lewis felt like he deserved the sandwich more than larry and with leo you know knowing that uh, you know knowing the way larry feels about this gift that he's been given you know had no problem taking it away and giving it to richard lewis um i don't know why i guess i guess it was the discussion after temple i guess maybe that that because what changed Leo's mind? Is it the fact that Larry hated the sandwich anyway, or did Richard Lewis... I guess that's what Larry's insinuating, that whatever Richard said to Leo changed his mind right then at Temple that day. Larry, I guess, maybe it's just a, a bit of a hard luck story or something. Like, he's adopted, so he deserves the sandwich more than... That's a better story <laughs> than Richard Lewis's life, I guess, deserving it. But and, and maybe Leo might agree, because he feels a kinship with Larry, because he, too, is a child of adoption. And so in the spirit of that kinship, he now is going to let Larry David take any sandwich on the board. And Larry picks Ted Danson's sandwich. (laughs) And it's at that point, the doctor that Larry was meeting for lunch comes in. Leo goes to shake his hand and crushes it. And now the doctor obviously (laughs) is out of commission. And uh, we we get additional, very long, bone-crunching sound effects. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, more bone-crunching. Like, he he annihilates this doctor's hand. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so at home, Larry and Cheryl are once again having sex, and the phone rings. Larry is expecting a call from Mrs. Siderman about the adoption, you know, and but he learned his lesson. And Cheryl's like, don't pick up the phone. And so Larry ignores it. That's when we cut to Mrs. Siderman in a <laughs> nursing home, as he referenced, and saying, I had an answer. And, and the, the nurse is like, I'm sorry, Miss Siderman, there's no one answering. And she's like, I had an answer for him about whether he was adopted. And then she dies. And then Frolic <laughs> like starts playing. <laughs> she's literally on her deathbed. And she's calling Larry David after reading this letter. He's like, I had an answer for him. <laughs> uh, uh. I love how, <laughs> how effortless it and, and I mean that in the way that I, I love the lack of effort in this scene because she literally like it's not good writing like I had an answer for him about his adoption. Ugh, I'm dead. It's like so. <laughs> but in its simplicity, it is perfect in its lack of effort. It is so perfect. Um, yes, it's just the, I, will, it's, I will highly agree. It's just the perfect blatant punchline. Mrs. Siderman, Mrs. Siderman, and the nurse shaking her. Is yeah. well, no, not, not only that, but we, we get like uh, earlier on Larry setting it up. He's like the only person who's still yeah, the- alive could be the nanny. <laughs> Everyone else is dead. So the yeah. only person who might be able to answer it is Mrs. Siderman. And I tracked her down. She's in a nursing home in, in New York. I'm like, fuck. And she did have an answer, and then she drops dead. <laughs> it was just, it's a perfect curb ending. Like, one of the most perfect endings we've had so far. Uh, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Just the last line. I'm sorry, Mrs. Siderman. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. All right. What do we got for homework this week? You know, I didn't write anything down. Any any questions that I had about Mr. Tibbs or the High Holy Days or whatever, I, I we already looked up, so um, I don't have anything. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Oh, that is a tough one. What, one thing I like, by the way, that was also... There's a lot of little jokes in this episode that don't have anything to do with anything, and another one of those is Larry wiping his nose or wiping his face with his yarmulke and putting it back oh on. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I just See, had to bring I thought that out of that's again. what was going to start the argument in in Temple was him taking off the yarmulke and wiping his glasses with it. Oh, but that was no, it. His it glasses, just, yeah. It just went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, no, just, just a little, just a little funny joke, you know, just like the Susie thing, and and just like uh, there was another thing that that doesn't come up again. You know, there's Jeff and Larry talking about the. I mean, this does kind of because you couldn't hold the coffee cup properly. The the handle on the coffee cup cup is too small. So that is a detail that <laughs> that had to do with a plot yeah. point later on. But I uh, yeah. I did I did love uh, just Larry either getting his hand crushed by Leo or getting his uh, torso crushed at the end with the hug. Uh, who hugs him? Like Leo that. does. Leo. Oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah. A hard hugger too, as well as a hard hard shaker he's just Um, a very hard man (laughs) he is um but as far as uh, i can't think of um you know something at the deli i mean it has a lot to do with the sandwich i don't know if there's a shot of him and his dad like a two shot of them eating at the deli that might be good what do you think yeah i'll I'll look for something i I was thinking either like yeah something at the deli maybe leo shaking larry's hand yeah that's at the deli yep larry and the scalper might be funny too i liked just because i like that yeah maybe but yeah all right, yeah, I will I will see what I can do, but let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, in the season five premiere, <laughs> Larry is changed by a near-death experience, a revelation, and a sandwich. 
it's perfect. I mean, it, I could j- lop off the first bit and it's perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> uh, an, it's just amazing. Yeah, a, a, a near death experience, a revelation, and a sandwich. Yeah, that's that's it's, incredible. We couldn't make anything better. Nope. Maybe this will be a trend <laughs> for season five. I can't wait to find I, out. I really don't think so, but let's <laughs> let's uh, let's just uh, see where it goes. I guess. Tim, did you like this episode? Yes, I did. This was a huge. This was a very funny episode all the way through. I mean, I hate to start out with a with blowing a star, but I think I might have to give this a star right off the bat. Okay. All right. Yeah. See, I um, I'm in the same boat with you, but I think I'm gonna go with a star low just because it is. The, the season opener, and yeah. I don't want to, I don't know, I, I don't want to set the standard of like, well, maybe this is the worst episode of the season. Right, yeah, yeah, I, I, that's, I hesitate to use a star this early too, because now I only have two left, and we've got a long season to go, but, uh, but it was just that funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think we ever set the rules of how many stars you can, but I mean, we we do only do oh yeah top three episodes. Yeah, you, you can give, you can give all, all ten episodes stars <laughs> if you want. It's that's just you'll right. have to decide which ones are the top three at the end. Exactly, and that's what I don't want to have to do because then you know you get to the end then you and can't it's like, remember. Yeah, why the fuck did I like that episode? No idea. I don't remember liking that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Next week we have got season five, episode two, the bow tie. Original air date, October 2nd, 2005. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry hires a private investigator to uncover a personal secret and adopts a racist dog. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny? (laughs) Either, Either I didn't notice it or it was cut off when I looked at the description of next week's episode last night, it said Larry adopts a racist. And I was like, hmm, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. It's a a new uh, rehabilitation (laughs) program. Yeah. I thought it was like, you know, kind of saying, you know, Larry takes a racist, a a way of saying he takes a racist under his wing to like show him the light (laughs) or whatever. But I was like, adopts a racist? What the hell? What does that mean? No, adopts a racist dog. Adopts a racist dog. So I think I do, I think I remember this episode now um and calling it the bow tie too there's going to be a lot of funny references that are unfortunately still timely but will be enjoyable to not like no i don't don't know about the racist dog element i'm just saying like regarding larry (laughs) wearing a bow tie they people make fun of him in a certain way that that i wish had uh, was gone was not still relevant but still is but anyway you'll figure that out when you watch or when we talk about it next week (laughs) um so is that it yeah i think that is it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hallowell be good